Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. I'm Kat Royer. I'm Liz Bronson. Hello, Kat. Hey, Liz. Today, we have a fascinating guest who we met through old-fashioned networking. We were introduced to Adrian Garland through one of our season one guests, Alexis Bacorny, who thought she would be a good guest for us here. And now we're here today in season two. I'm mentioning all of this because of the power of making connections and networking, and you never know where things will lead you. When we met Adrienne, we knew she'd be great for Real Job Talk, and we're so excited to have her on today. Yay! Hello! Welcome, 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 Adrienne. I'm so happy to be here. So welcome, Adrienne. I'm going to introduce you and then hand over the mic to you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Wonderful. Adrian is the founder and CEO of She Leads Media, an international media and marketing strategy company dedicated to creating visibility for women entrepreneurs and leaders. Not only does Adrian provide consulting to women in business, but she is also building a community of women in business with the overriding idea that together we're better than when we're alone. Adrian, please tell us about yourself and how you got to where you are now. Wow. How did I get to where I am now? That is a a fascinating journey, the hero's journey. I'm so happy to be here. First of all, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I think that just podcasting in general for women and and the platform that you guys are providing for women like me and everybody in my network is invaluable. So thank you. Well, we're delighted that you're here. Yeah. And just thank you for doing what you, you do. So how did I sort of get here on, on this podcast? Um, I, uh, I, I started out in corporate America, like I think so many of us do, the promise of a, a, a job and of working hard and rising through the ranks and climbing the ladder and becoming a senior executive. Um, and that is that is exactly what I did. I started out in the world of finance and investment banking, equity research. And I went back to school to get my MBA in finance and quickly realized that even though I loved numbers and math, um, that the world of finance was really not for me, especially in the 90s. So (laughs) I uh, sort of switched gears a little bit and went into marketing halfway through my MBA career um, and really honed in on something that I love, which is media, entertainment, and technology, uh, and got into the cable industry and worked my way up through marketing, product marketing, direct marketing, putting together marketing plans, and really trying to reach consumers and uh, attracting them to the the cable industry and all the, the different television channels and all of that great stuff. And I moved on to uh, PR Newswire, wh- where um, I was introduced uh, to just the the world of building relationships. PR Newswire at the time was an incredible place, a place where you really felt like family working there. Um, And it was all about building relationships with people because you never knew where business could come from. And that's something that I still hold with me to this day. It's something that, that, you know, I, I took away from corporate America that I greatly value. Um, and that is the building of relationships because you never know when, you, you know, you're going to need somebody or when they're going to need you. 
And so PR Newswire at the time um, really didn't keep up with the times and they were greatly severely affected by the internet. I know that that sounds kind of crazy, um, but they they didn't really think that the internet was going to disrupt their business and, and it did. Um, they didn't see it and they didn't plan for it. Um, and so the business really um, took a, a little bit of a downturn. And so I left and found myself at PricewaterhouseCoopers, which is a humongous you know, organization, private organization, matrixed organization. Mm-hmm. Um, best job, I always say, best job I ever had on paper worst job I ever had. (laughs) Those consulting company cultures are tough, right? Very tough. Also not a place for somebody like me who likes to get a lot of stuff done quickly. Mm -hmm. I, I realized that that's not what a consulting business is, is all about. It, It, it's about relationships, which is, you know, for sure, something extremely valuable, but it's not about getting the most stuff done as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself in this situation that was not a fit for my personality. And I, I really suffered a um, identity crisis because I had ascended to these levels at this incredible, you know, international organization. And then when I was myself, when I acted like myself and I, I did the things that had made me successful, it was my demise at that organization. Mm. And it was a realization that I wasn't aligned with the same values that that organization had. And it's nothing against them and it's certainly nothing against me. But mm-hmm. um, I did suffer an identity crisis working <laughs> there. And that, I think, because it launched me on my entrepreneurial journey. Mm-hmm. So there's a big backstory there that, you know, maybe at another time we can get into. But what I like to say is that it just, it really was not the right fit for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I wanted to do, what I had always wanted to start my own business. I had a very entrepreneurial spirit throughout all of the companies that I've, you know, ever worked for. Um, And so I wanted to start my own company and I did. And um, it has been the single most challenging thing that I've ever done in my life. (laughs) Totally. Awesome. So Talk a little bit more about that values disconnect. I know it's not fun to get back there, but I think that people, when they're looking at jobs and they're looking at companies, they forget about that values piece and figuring out how that lines up. So if you could talk a little bit more about like, and I'm sure you do it now with clients, like do their values meet mine? So talk a little bit about that values matchup. You know, I think it's so important and I don't know that I necessarily realized that early on that it was such a critical component of evaluating a a company that you want to work for. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it is huge and it's, it's not something that I think people consider because they sort of look at the, you know, what are the job requirements? What are the skills what does the company do? What do they provide? What services do they offer? And can I, can I do that job? But 
not necessarily, you know, do their to do their values as a human being align with mine. I think that millennials are a lot more tuned in to this and I admire that greatly. I, I you know, I, I think that you guys are about the the same age as I am. We never, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't, we weren't taught to look at values really uh, at no. least early in my career. I wasn't. No, me neither. And I I think that, like I said, it was sort of this, this best job. It was an incredible job. I had 20 people on my team. I was running the geo marketing group in the New York Metro market. It was the biggest, you know, it was the best. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I, I, I literally needed to be somebody else in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. And it, it didn't work. It didn't work. So I I do think that if somebody is, you know, sort of going for a position, you have to very much know who you are Mm -hmm. and what your values are and be able to somehow, and I don't know if I can even, you know, give advice, but I think that you have to somehow be able to ask the right questions so that you can start to get under what the company values are. Mm Mm-hmm. And now most companies, they write their values so you can at least read them, but then you can ask questions of like, how are these exemplified? Or, Mm -hmm. oh, Mm -hmm. your value is that open communication. How does that work here? Yeah. You know, what's really funny. I think that's so insightful to to say, tell me how that works. Mm -hmm. Because if a value is open communication, to me, that's like, great, that I'm an open communicator too. Mm -hmm. But I'm a very direct open communicator. Me too. (laughs) And that's not how everybody defines open communication. Mm -hmm. But to have the skill and the knowledge to know, to ask that next level down question like you just did is the key. Mm -hmm. Totally. It is the key. Yeah. And, and people need to remember that not only are they interviewing for a job, but they're actually interviewing the company. And I think people forget that in the process. And it's, it's just, just as important because it's all about fit. It really is. Like there, if you're moving internal groups, like one group at the company might be totally different than another. And so you're, if one works and another doesn't, like you've got to figure it out and figure out how they work and if it works for you. Yeah. And I, I think something that's really excellent these days too, is there's so much information available online through, you know, like Glassdoor mm-hmm. or some of these other resources that maybe some of the things there are negative because people have been burned. But if you take that with a grain of salt and try to understand where some of that negativity is, is coming from, you can see where maybe there's some truth in that. Mm -hmm. Um, and if that's something that you're okay with or Mm -hmm. absolutely not, it's also extremely challenging when you are going for a job and yes, it's super important for you to be interviewing the company as much as they're interviewing you. The issue is that when you're interviewing for a job, you know, you really want that job. You mm-hmm. need that job. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you don't fully listen to what they're saying or you don't want to hear. Yes. And not listen to your gut. 
Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that you do need to listen to your gut because even if you do end up taking that job and if it's a great paying job or whatever, if you have a bad feeling, a bad gut feeling going in for anything, it's only going to get worse. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And and you can't, you shut those up and they show back up six months down the line when you took the job. And like, I knew it. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> I should have listened to myself. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So you've got your hands in so many things as an entrepreneur. Um, how do you decide where to put your time and energy? It's like when you're running your own thing, there's countless things you can do. It's kind of overwhelming. I know. It is overwhelming. (laughs) I do think that one of the keys to success is this ability to focus. It's something that I'm trying to discipline myself around, especially, you know, going into 2020, like 2020 is the year to, you know, close the book, change the chapter, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to say. And I think that what helps or what helps me is I have an amazing support network of professional friends, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, and it's funny because a lot of my friends are both business and personal friends, Mm -hmm. which I like a lot. You know, it's, it's an interesting mix. Like what, what do you like about having that mix? I like that I don't have to turn off the part of me that I'm so passionate about in order to continue a friendship. Now, I I definitely have other friends where I don't talk about business at all, but I want to (laughs) so badly. And, you know, I like to be able to bring my whole self to whatever it is that I'm doing. So when I, the friends that I have that can talk about both personal and business, and we can go back and forth between everything, those are the very rich relationships that I, I feel like I, I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and awesome. I, I just think that, that, that helps. And so, you know, kind of bouncing ideas off the of people. And when, when, when those people, those mentors, even if they're friends, when they have a fuller picture understanding of who I am, mm-hmm. they can give me better advice because they know that, you know, this area affects mm-hmm. that area. It's a beautiful thing. They've walked a mile in your shoes or yeah. similar shoes. I, I could not agree more. I mean, I started a group about two years ago from work at home moms for local moms that work from home, but have professional lives, but the school still thinks they're always around because they aren't in the office. And because there's a lot of challenges in that. And that group has given me so much joy because it's a cohort that totally gets my world. Yeah. Whereas some of my social friends, I love them dearly, but they don't get Mm -hmm. the whole picture of my awesomeness of (laughs) (laughs) stuff I juggle every day. Whereas that this group of women does and really need to have friends that fully understand what you've got going on. Yeah. It's so funny that the other day, one of my friends texted me and said, you know, are you home? Like, Oh, Hey, are you home? Do you want to go for a walk? And I'm like, yeah, I'm home, but I'm working. Like, I, and it it almost is like how dare 
how dare you text me and ask me? Like, it's almost disrespectful mm-hmm. because you think that just because you're home, that means you're not working. And it's quite the co- contrary. Mm-hmm. You can get up and go at any time. Yeah. 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 It's so true. Yeah. There's so many choices and so many things to do. And how do you select the things that are going to move your business forward, mm-hmm. generate that revenue, help you to get your your you know your voice and your thoughts and opinions out there? I think that that is a humongous challenge, and I do think that it's important to have some type of a thought partner in that because you get way too in your head mm-hmm. and you're like, let me shoot a social media video. <laughs> <laughs> and then that does nothing. So who's your thought partner? Gosh, I have a couple of different mm-hmm. ones. Um, and I have, <laughs> it's, it's probably too much. I, I've gone to the opposite end of the spectrum. So I didn't have anybody. And now I have like four people that I'm like accountability partners mm-hmm. with. And it, now I'm too accountable too to people. Yeah. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're, you're finding the balance, right? That pendulum yes. swings and then, and then you find your balance, right? Yes. Yes. We refer to that as board of advisors, like people that you can go to and men, they mentor you and they hold you accountable. And so we're all for accountability partners. Yeah. I think the next step for me is to formalize a board of advisors because I do have these one-off accountability partners that that don't necessarily know about one another. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it would be good to bring everybody together. Sounds like it could be a fun dinner party. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I was just being silly and I was going to make a joke like, you know, you don't know about her. You don't know about her. <laughs> totally. And then you get them all together. <laughs> it's like all these families. <laughs> Which could be really fun or maybe a little scary. Yes. <laughs> So Adrian, how long have you been in business? This is crazy. I can't even believe I'm going to say this. I have been in business for 10 years. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's congratulations. Unbelievable. That's crazy that's that amazing. I'm still here. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I think any business that's been in business for 10 years, um, that just says so much right there. So congratulations. Thank you. So I'm sure over the last 10 years, your company has changed and evolved. Can you speak maybe a little bit to what led to some of those pivots? Hmm. Yeah. Um, when I first started out, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and and so, and, and that was actually a very difficult thing to admit because I had always been very successful in the corporate world. And even though I didn't necessarily you know, quote unquote, know what I was doing in the corporate world. I knew how to rise through the ranks. I knew what the game was. I knew what the rules were. With entrepreneurship, there are no rules. So when you try to apply the rules from corporate to entrepreneurship, you lose. (laughs) And and that's actually, that has been a lesson that I have to admit that I still have not learned. I am very much rooted in this this corporate world and it's so deep in my DNA 
I, I feel like I have to, you know, get out of the cult in order to really fully embrace what entrepreneurship is all about. Even though I'm a rule breaker, I do very much like the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first started out, I sort of took any job that I could get, any consulting gig that I could get. I didn't really have a plan for what I was going to do, except that I was going to provide marketing marketing because that's what I knew and I was expert in. I did do that miraculously and I was able to find some clients. And then like a pivot is that I then became a subcontractor to a couple of different marketing agencies that had a need for somebody to be at you know, a company for a length of time. So that worked out really well for me because it was stable and flexible at the mm-hmm. same time. And it was really nice to be able to work within a larger organization, but yet be an independent type of person. I, I liked that very much. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I wasn't earning the type of you know revenue that I expected, um, and that's when I decided to launch my conference. So I had been working for about three years before I launched the conference, and it the conference came out of a frustration. Like I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Other people have these businesses. How are they successful? What are they doing? Um, And so a friend of mine was in the events business and she said, well, why don't you just bring together people that are experts and that have, you know, have successful businesses with people like us who are trying to figure it out? And I was like, that's great. And so that's what we did. It was literally a lunch conversation. And so we put together this, this event, this conference. And again, it was like, miraculously, we were able to get sponsors like PR Newswire sponsored. And this is all, this is why I believe no matter what, whether you have a job or a company, you know, you're working for a company or you're on your own, the relationships that you have, even on a personal level, Mm -hmm. the relationships that you have always come around and help you in some way. When we when I launched the conference, I went back to PR Newswire, who I left on exceptionally good terms with. And I said, hey, I'm doing this thing. Would you guys be interested in, in sponsoring? And they were like, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's a lovely thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It never hurts to build goodwill and to keep those relationships going. Yeah. You never know when you're going to need it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that people will give you money, but even if they direct you toward you know, somebody that you need for a reference or something like that, having those relationships is gold. It really is. I mean, I am still friendly with people that were, you know, vendors from back when I was at Cablevision in 1999 that I could say, hey, Mike, like literally call somebody up on the phone and say, hey, Mike, it's Adrian. Like, can you do this for me? And they would say yes. Because, you know, I knew back then you, you just treat people with respect. That's all. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Totally. But not everybody does it. So like I can definitely go on forever. I know <laughs> how to talk. Um, so please feel free to stop me. <laughs> that was another pivot point for me mm-hmm. when I started the conferences. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when was that? How long ago was that? 
That was in 2013. Okay. Okay. So you've been doing those for a while. Yeah. So I'm sure that process has evolved, right? That Um, process has evolved. mm -hmm. And 2019 was our seventh conference, which is incredible. The the structure of it is is basically the same where we're bringing together experts with people who want to learn from those experts. And I love the conference so much. It's a huge passion project. Some years it's profitable some years it's not. Mm-hmm. So it's not a great business model that, you know, sort of like the next thing that I decided is I had been working with some bigger companies and I very much wanted to demonstrate my, you know, just support of like women and women entrepreneurs. So from a marketing perspective, I started working with women-owned businesses, smaller women-owned businesses, you know, marketing clients. And they really didn't have the budgets that the bigger companies have. And so I found myself in this conundrum, like, I want to be helping you and I can't. If I can't, you know, be supported and if my conference isn't generating the type of revenue that it needs to, how can I possibly serve? Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, almost where the point I am right now is... I've sunsetted many of my clients. I have one left and I'm launching this media business, hopefully to be able to serve so many more women entrepreneurs in a different way. That's exciting. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So the, what I'm, what I'm doing now, 2020, it's all about She Leads Media and really launching and leaning in Mm -hmm. um, to a woman's media company. So She Leads Media, the concept behind it is very much the same as the core of the conference where I'm bringing together experts with, with people that are, you know, wanting and needing to learn from those experts. And I'm employing that core across a variety of different media. So the first thing that I'm honing in on is the She Leads Podcast Network. And that is a platform for women um, who have opinions, thoughts, musings that want to get you know their voices and their expertise out into the world. I have a platform that will allow them to do that. And then I have the backend support through She Leads Productions, which is the podcast production studio as well, so that women don't have to worry about all of the different equipment setup and all of the show notes and editing and all of that stuff. I actually have a strategic partner that does all of that so that it's sort of easy. I'm, making, I'm trying to make it easy for mm-hmm. women to, to get everything out there. Um, so that's the first iteration of what's coming next for She Leads. And I have big plans um, in the coming you know, months and, and hopefully years. So there are so many different offerings like podcasts, the meetups, you know, the, the individual um, consultations, uh, the, the conference. Like who are the right people? Like who, who do you want to call you tomorrow and be your next new client? Or who do you want targeting She Leads? Beautiful question. Yeah. And a question that I I think, you know, if there's people who are listening into the podcast, you know, I think that this is the critical question, right? Who is it that you're trying to reach? The women that I am looking to attract and to serve 
mm-hmm. are women that are in the second chapter of their career journey, if you will. So they may have been in another career altogether and they're looking to launch and grow a business quickly because you know we don't necessarily have the the time or the patience right to mm-hmm. to be able to grow a successful company quickly so the women that i'm looking to attract are more mature they are very serious mm-hmm. i am not the instagram crowd you know yes they're on they're probably on instagram mm-hmm. but it's more substance than shine. Mm -hmm. It's not just shine. So it's older women, super successful, you know, had, had success in their career, looking to replicate and even grow beyond that success in their own business. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're looking to get, you know, farther, faster. Um, and it's women that are seeking super practical, actionable advice, less inspiration, more how to. Yes. I think that's important because some people need the cheerleader and some people need the playbook. Yep. And you're looking more at the playbook that comes with the side of, and you've got this. Yes. (laughs) I love the way that you put that. That's perfect. Yes. (laughs) One piece in joining a group like She Leads is uh, building community. But part of getting help from the community is about, you know, being vulnerable Talk to us a little bit about being vulnerable as a woman who owns her own business because it's it's different. Yeah, I think this is an area that is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, although I have to say that I'm somewhat comfortable being vulnerable. I, you know, I feel sometimes when I talk to people and I say, Oh, it really sucks. Or I, I, this doesn't make money. Or, you know, there was this person that conned me, which literally happened. Mm. Um, I, I think people are very surprised that I am willing to share that type of stuff. I actually don't like to put a filter on things. I don't think that it's responsible. I, I don't think it helps anybody. I don't need to, you know, show that I've got m- my shit together. Or, excuse my language. I, you know, I want to show people that I'm real and fallible and I make mistakes, even though I'm intelligent and strategic and mm-hmm. do some really great things. Mm-hmm. You're human. I'm human. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's a ton of people out there that are showing their humanity. And if they do show their humanity, it has a filter on it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm vulnerable and, and genuine, but it's, it's contrived. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of anti that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, when you introduced your communication style as being a direct communicator, mm-hmm. often being pretty transparent goes with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's, that's a winning combo personally. Yeah. I hope that it's a winning combo. <laughs> I hope that that pays off. <laughs> you know, the shadow side of that is that sometimes people don't know how to take that. They mm-hmm. actually don't think that that's genuine yeah. because they don't know what that's all about. Like, mm-hmm. why aren't you trying to make that look better than it is? Mm-hmm. I struggle personally, and I'd love to hear both of you talk about. It. Like, I feel like when I'm being, I want to say critical, but if I'm saying, no, that's not right, it's something else, that I'm constantly struggling with thinking I sound like a total bitch. 
because I'm like, no, that's not right. This is how it is. And it's my business and you're representing me. And oh my God, don't do that. Now, I don't use that tone. That's the inside voice, the outside voice. (laughs) But honestly, like, I'm pretty direct. And I'll be like, that's the wrong profile. Why did you think that was the right person? What, you know, what can I tell you to make it different? And I do, I worry that I come across, especially to people that work for me as the directness and the transparency can sometimes sound a little nasty. Yep. As a woman, I think it's different. And I struggle with it because I don't want to be mean, but I also want to make sure that I'm being heard. And that's the struggle. I think, the best thing you can do with that is in the interview process, Liz, is talk about who you are and this is who I am. And, you know, sometimes your directness, talk to people about how they can handle direct communication because I'm a direct communicator too. And, you know, I've had someone on my team see that in me and understand. Mm -hmm. And another person who anytime I might get a little anxious would respond in turn. And it just, that wasn't the best fit. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a, I'm for being transparent, even if that's not for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, we try to be kind, right. That's a a value that we all share. Mm -hmm. Um, yet, you know, being real sometimes is, is just as important. Right. And hopefully, hopefully we can have both, you know, both real and be kind. Yeah. And I, I do think, I think that there is a balance because like you, Liz, you know, I can also see something and you're like, that's not right. And you just want to make it right. You don't, want to offend anybody. You just want to correct it. But that other person is hearing something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something, especially in corporate, that I had an issue with, this this direct communication instead of like, yes, I hear you. Let's go make cupcakes and <laughs> sing Kumbaya and do you understand where I'm coming? You know, that didn't work for me, but I, I actually have an executive coach now. Um, and I've brought this up to her Mm -hmm. and she's a very direct communicator Mm -hmm. too. And so I said, you know, the way that you handle it is so beautiful. And she said, what you do is you, call the elephant in the room out. So Mm -hmm. you make sure that you say, before you say anything that you say, look, this is my communication style. It may come across as very direct and, you know, whatever. But the reason that I'm doing that is because I just want to get us farther faster. So mm-hmm. if I come across like that, please know that that's where that is coming from. And mm-hmm. to be able to kind of smooth the water before you say it allows you to be very direct. And I think that's a brilliant way to handle it. Yeah. I love that. And I do a lot of that. So you guys are making me feel so much better. Hey, you're <laughs> perfect. I'm horrible. Um, no, you're perfect. <laughs> uh, I'm honest about it, but I'm direct. So Adrian, when we first talked, we, we talked about the power of collaboration and entrepreneurial collaboration. Tell us a little bit more about the opportunities that she leads gives to entrepreneurs around collaboration and bringing businesses together to have more power in pushing themselves forward. 
Yeah. So this whole idea of collaboration really came out of um, the theme for my conference in this past year. And that was all about new models of business, new ways of doing business. And I got very interested in this because I know a particular woman who has a liquor company and she had some trouble. She was struggling with getting distribution for her incredible gin. It's actually called Pomp and Whimsy. Um, and she's a, a brilliant woman. Um, this this gin is, is really special. Um, and yet she had a lot of trouble getting distribution for it. Um, and so what her thought was, was how can I get this on the shelves without spending a ton of money and, and doing all of these things? Even if she did that, she was running up against a problem because this is a very male dominated type of, you know, industry. And so what she did is she asked around and found other women makers, they call them, you know, makers. Um, Mm -hmm. And she found other women that were in the spirits industry. And I think they started out with, you know, maybe five, maybe 10 at the maximum women. And they created this collective, this pool of money and resources, and they all collaborated to get the power of distribution or to make more sales or to improve their marketing. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing, which I think is extremely smart, is they're not just talking about this. They're actually keeping track of all the different KPIs that demonstrate success. So they're they're able to show both individually and as a collective, how their revenues have improved, how their distribution network is much wider, you know, how their profitability has increased, how they get mentions in the press. And it not only benefits the individual, it also benefits the collective. And this, I think, is such an incredible business model. Mm-hmm that more women can take advantage of because it feels natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So some of the way that corporate America is does not feel natural. And so when we try to ascend through the ranks by you know, stepping on someone, I don't, you know, stabbing somebody in the back, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, that feels unnatural to us. And so we don't do it. Mm-hmm. And so then we don't get ahead. And so then we don't win. Mm-hmm. So to create a company that's based on that type of a model doesn't benefit women entrepreneurs. We have to think of new business models and new ways so that the companies that we're creating can be successful. And we also have to think about profit. It can't just be that we want to start something that's for humanity that's nonprofit because nonprofit is non-power. Mm-hmm. Well, and not in the not in the business world. Nonprofits are wonderful, but they, the name is everything for, if we want to actually support ourselves, non being a nonprofit is not the way to make it big. But I also would say that if you look at, there's so many people like, let's say take food that they're starting food companies. Oh, I have a really awesome muffin recipe. And like, why wouldn't you get together with your friend that really has a good bread recipe? And now all of a sudden you've got your muffins, you've got your bread, yeah. you know, throw in some cakes. And all of a sudden we've got a bakery going that has all these different things and you could even you know, processing and whatever, but you're so much more powerful than just your muffin. Yes. 
because you've all come together and brought these great things that are like things together. But, you know, look at soda companies. They acquire other soda companies Mm -hmm. and other beverage companies. Why? The more space they've got on the shelves, the more money they're going to make. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things that I'm trying to do or that I'm attempting to do with the She Leads podcast network. Mm -hmm. It is a collective of women's voices and the whole idea behind it. And I have no idea whether this is actually going to be successful or not, but I'm experimenting and I'm bold enough to experiment is that I am seeking to find sponsorship for everybody. And even if the larger sponsor doesn't necessarily want to sponsor a particular show, I still want to share in that revenue because it just helps everybody. Mm -hmm. And why not help everybody? They're all contributing. So they're all contributing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's a fascinating model. I'm excited to watch it and see how it grows. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) So let's switch gears a little bit. I'm curious in your role as a CEO of She Leads Media, what brings you the most joy? I think there's two things. The reason that I keep doing the conference year after year, and even though it's profitable, sometimes, sometimes it's not... It's because when that person comes up to me at the end of the conference or they email me after and they say, you changed my life or, you know, or they come back, you know, two years later and said, you know, you had this person, they helped me get a loan, they helped me crowdfund and this thing changed my life. And and you are the reason why, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I feel like you can't put a price on that and even though, and I will be in the worst place. Like I'm never doing this conference again. I'm giving it all up. I am done. (laughs) And then I get something like that, or I have somebody, you know, call me up and I'm just like, you know what, this is why I'm doing it. Because even though I'm not impacting millions of people, it's more important to me to know that I've affected somebody, even if it's one person, in Mm. such a profound and positive way. That's everything to me. You can't buy that. No. No. It's amazing. I mean, I've had people come up to me at the end of the conference, like, crying. And, Mm. yeah, beautiful, you know? And I'm just, I, I feel like I can't turn away from that. And that's what keeps me going. Honestly, that is what keeps me going. And then the other thing that I love is that I'm able to really, you know, kind of be around and it's important for my family and the humans that I'm trying to, (laughs) trying to influence positively. We'll see what happens. Um, but I, it's really important for me to be around for them. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. And it kind of comes back to, you know, what you're saying about mentors and having like-minded people around is like, I'm sure there have been entrepreneurs who have come to your conference scared and like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I have this idea. And they, they had a path when they left. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned the non-work part of your life and, and we love asking people about 
balance. How do you take care of yourself? And what do you do when life gets a little out of balance? And how do you turn off that business piece of life if you do? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely do. I think that that's very challenging um, to have balance. I, I don't know that it's possible. I'm sure other people have said that before. I don't think that it's possible to have balance all the time. It's sort of like, you know, it is that pendulum or the, the scales, Mm -hmm. you know, something will completely go out of balance and then you have to do something to correct it. Otherwise, you know, everything topples over. Um, so sometimes it does get to the point where you're completely out of balance and then you have to do something radical to, to come back into balance. I mean, a couple of the things that I, I do on a daily basis is I try very hard to just take some time every day and, you know, either meditate or just like even take three deep breaths. I mean, it's crazy that we don't breathe. Mm-hmm. So I'll be mindful of that and I'll do that. Um, I do lately like to get outside into the fresh air. I've been mindful of saying like, let me get outside into nature Mm -hmm. and I'll walk outside like barefoot and, and like really like touch the ground. And I feel like that helps. You know, and I exercise. I I do make a point of exercising, not every day. Mm -hmm. You know, if I get three days a week in, that's a win. Mm -hmm. But I I have to or else I I feel awful. It's it's such a huge mood shifter. Uh, (laughs) Just a a workout, even even a hike just can, can completely change your state of mind. Yeah. And it's funny, going back to another question that you have, what I do sometimes is I'll pair together those two things. So I'll go on a hike with, you know, mm-hmm. somebody who's my accountability partner and we'll talk about everything on that hike. Mm-hmm. Those are the best. Yeah. I used to say walking was my triple threat because I exercised the dogs. I got exercise <laughs> up with someone like triple threat. All, <laughs> all, all in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's good. Awesome. Adrian, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a fascinating conversation. Where can people find you? Well, thank you. This has been so much fun, really. I love this conversation. So people can go to my website, which is under construction at this minute that we're taping, but hopefully by the time that they get there, uh, it'll be up. But that's sheleadsmedia.com. And from there, people can get to my free Mighty Network, um, which is a free community. Um, There's a couple hundred people there. We have a lot of different topics and we talk about many different things. And I do some live events there and, and things like that. And also, you know, they can look for the events that are coming up and they can explore the She Leads Podcast Network and everything else that we will be launching in the next couple of months. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. We can't wait to watch and cheer and watch you grow and continue to inspire and help others. And thank you guys for doing what you're doing too, because you are inspiring so many different people. And I just think it's wonderful that you have your podcast. And I hope that you continue to grow it, 10x its growth, Mm -hmm. um, and reach so many more people because you guys are awesome. Oh, thank you. 
is Real Job Talk, a podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and Real Job Talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Job Talk. And on Instagram and Facebook at Real Job Talk Show. My name is Kat Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Cat, And on LinkedIn, you can find me via Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm at Liz Beaks and Salt. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is a tech reckoning production. Our producer is John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And we're here by the water cooler waiting to talk with you. <laughs>